Uh, folks, when I use the word or when I say the word stressed out, I would imagine that right away probably some very obvious things come to our mind, probably some very similar things. When we hear those words, we think of things like scheduling. We think of things like bills. We think of maybe a, a conflict in a relationship. You know, just a, a relationship not right. And it, man, it just stresses us out knowing it's out there, knowing, you know, we can't get it right. We can't fix it. Maybe it's something looming in your future. You know, there's something out there. You're, you're pretty sure it's coming. You know what's coming. And man, it's just got you a little anxious, a little bit stressed out. Man, stress is a very real deal. It's a very real thing. Some very real physical things happen in our body when we're stressed out. Man, our, our heart rate picks up. Our breathing picks up. You know, you know what stress does? It gets you ready to do what you need to do. You know, you've heard those, for that phrase, fight or flight. You know, in every situation, you either got to run or you got to fight. Well, stress is what gears your body up for that. Stress is actually something that God gave us. God gave us stress to help us survive. Now watch this. This is the key word. God gave us stress to help us survive a moment. A moment. The problem is when the moment becomes a, life, a way of life. And boy, when you talk about America, I mean, stress is a way of life, isn't it? Most of y'all wouldn't know you were alive if you weren't stressed out. You know, you're not a good patriot if you're not stressed. I mean, that's, that's just how we live in our culture. We're stressed. We're, you know, always hurrying, always trying to get there, right on the edge financially. It's just, it's just always right there. The problem is, it'll kill you. You know, doctors say that they can link stress to heart problems, stomach problems, uh, health with our immune system, high blood pressure. Uh, heart, uh, stress is, can be connected to heart, heart health and heart issues. Stress can even be connected to cancer. And, and then even outside of the physical body, stress has a profound impact on, on our relationships. You ever heard somebody say you're grumpy? I mean, that, that's stress, isn't it? Stress, that's stress impacting and affecting a relationship. Stress affects our emotional health. So, I mean, stress is having a profound impact on our lives, on our, on our culture. So there's no surprise that a whole industry has risen up that we call stress management. Books and therapies and, and medicine and teaching all to help us, you know, learn how to eat right and exercise and say no. Find your happy place. Very, very important part of stress management. Where's your happy place? Uh, you know, it'll teach us to do all of these things. But I guess here's my question this morning. As we try to manage stress, do we actually know what's causing us stress? See, I, what I wanted to suggest today is it's not our schedule and our bills and our relationship that is causing stress. I think those things are symptoms also. See, we think of, we think of the heart rate up and the anxiety and the worry. We think of that as the, the symptoms of these other things. But those things are symptoms also. They're a part of a greater problem in our life, and that is our perhaps inability to answer some very key questions. I think maybe the bigger problem is me management. Me management. I mean, think about it, folks. If I'm not managing me well, then I'm probably going to make some bad financial decisions. I'm probably going to make some bad scheduling decisions or relational or personal decisions. Or maybe it's not an issue of something I'm doing but if I'm not managing me well, when there is a problem out of my control in any of those areas, then my ability to handle it is going to be hindered. You say, well, well what is me management? Well, it's answering 
those key questions. You see, your heart, your mind wants answers to some very key questions. And it's stressed out trying to get those questions answered. Questions like, who am I? Where, where do I belong? Why, why am I here? Why am I on this planet? Now, I know sometimes we hear questions like that and we think, oh, man, it sounds like philosophy class or something. You know, that, that's not relevant. That's, that's not what really the issue is. I mean, I mean and obviously, if you think about it, you know, if your plant is shutting down this week, if you know there's a possibility of getting laid off, who am I? Doesn't seem very relevant, does it? You got a bill that you can't pay? Who am I? Doesn't seem like the big issue that week. And we couldn't be more wrong. We couldn't be more wrong. Our ability to answer these questions, and we may not be answering them in a philosophy paper, but your body, your life is trying to get these questions answered. When we don't get them answered, when we don't get them answered right, when we don't get them answered on purpose, man, we're not going to end up in a, in a place in life where we want to be. And that's stressful. But you know what? God has an answer for those questions. God has what you and I need to have some confidence and the strength and to be able to move through these things. We're going to find that today in Romans 12. Now, we've studied 11 chapters. And in these 11 chapters, we have learned about what we believe about God, what we believe about man, what we believe about righteousness, what we believe about wrath. The first 11 chapters, a lot of doctrine, a lot of beliefs. As we come into chapter 12, you now know, and it's about change. 11 chapters of beliefs. What difference do these beliefs make in my life? What is the change that is to take place if I say I believe these things? And that's what we've been talking about in Romans 12. We saw a couple of weeks ago in verse 1, a change that needs to take place in our relationship with God. The whole of my life, all of the pieces of my life need to be sold out as we just heard. They need to be completely dedicated, completely surrendered to God. You know, folks, I think it's real easy to say my life belongs to Jesus. You know, my life and is for Him and I serve Him. And yet we can't actually connect the dots where any one piece of our life is actually for His purpose, for His glory, for advancing His kingdom. And that's what's supposed to be happening. That's the change that has to take place. Everything in my life needs to be able to line up under him. Verse 2. Last week we saw a change that needed to take place in our diet. You remember the broccoli and the donuts. But it wasn't about broccoli and donuts. Man, we saw that, man, we've got to stop gorging on the world and dieting on God. And we need to flip that, don't we? Man, we need to gorge on God. We need to diet on the world. And now as we come into verse 3, we see the change that needs to take place in how we think about ourselves. How we understand our identity. Where we get that question, questions answered. God's going to do that for us in Romans chapter 12. So turn there in your Bible, if you will. Romans 12, verses 3 to 8. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some in the, the chairs in front of you. I hope you'll get one or have somebody hand it to you. And uh, study along with us. Romans 12. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 3. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, 
So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who acts, the one who does acts of mercy with his cheerfulness. Now, folks, I want to say this again. Whether you do this on a philosophy paper or not, and most of us won't, you want answers to some key questions. Your heart and your mind long for this. Who am I? Where do I belong? What's my purpose? Now, our culture wants to help us answer those questions, not necessarily for the good. And every culture answers it a little bit differently. In our culture, especially as it relates to our identity, it's pretty much related to our job. We're identified by our vocation, by our status. Maybe we're identified by a big hobby that we love. But we, we are identified by what we do. And I'll tell you how unique that is to our culture. If you've done much traveling around the world, you know, there are places in this world where you can go and you can meet somebody, introduce yourself, sit down and have a conversation, and your vocation will never come up. In America, we don't have anything to say about ourselves until we say, well, this is what I do. This is my job. That, that's our identity. And so when we establish our identity, that sends us to the group. And then the group establishes our values, our, our purpose and what we do. So if I'm an athlete, if I see myself as an athlete, then that becomes my team. That team is where I belong. And then the team will set my character values. The, the team will set what my purpose is on this earth. Take out the word athlete. Plug in whatever word you want to. NASCAR fan, hunter, housewife. Uh, plug in engineer, plug in salesman, plug in that word. The problem is with any words you plug in, you lose that word. You see, we're finding our identity in something that we can't hold on to, in something that we can't keep. We might keep it for a long time. We might have it for a long time. We might be very successful, but we're going to lose it. Sometimes we lose it because of age. Sometimes we lose it because of others. Sometimes we lose it because of marital status. I mean, there's all kinds of things that, that can change. Some are good things, good things or bad things, but we lose our identity. And so then I've lost my identity. I have no sense of belonging. When I have no sense of belonging, I have no purpose. That puts my soul under great stress. You know, there's a great picture of this going on right now. The NFL, one of the biggest things they're doing right now is they're doing a study of head trauma. They're trying to do a study and understand the impact that head trauma, head collisions have on these players, not only during a season or during their career, but as they begin to get older. Because what they're seeing in NFL players is a, is a pretty big spike in, in some bad things. I mean, these guys are coming out. They're, they're some of the wealthiest people in the country. And years after being out of football, they have nothing. They've lost everything. They're seeing a big spike in depression of course, I know you've heard some of this in the news recently. They're seeing a big spike in suicide. And so they're, they're trying to connect. Hey, is there something about our vocation that, that is causing all this? Now, I'm, I'm certainly not here today to say that head trauma doesn't have an impact on that. My guess would be they're going to see a correlation. What I am here to say is what we're talking about today has everything to do with what those men are experiencing. 
You see, a lot of us, we have to live a whole life before we experience what they experience. It, you know, it happens when we're in our 50s and our 60s and our, in our 70s. But, but these guys are retiring or being cut at a very young age. In their early 30s, they're beginning to deal with this. And if they're an NFL player, I mean, do the math. They've probably been playing football since they were five, six years old. So for 30, 25, 30 years, their entire identity has been a, as a football player. Their belongingness, the only belongingness that many of them have known is that team. That's their purpose. Their purpose on this planet is being that football player. And overnight they lose it. Overnight, whether they're cut, whether they retire, whether it's a good parting, a bad parting, overnight they lose their identity. They've lost the most significant sense of belonging that many of them have ever experienced. They lose their purpose. And so all these problems start to come out. And of course, on, on a certain level, we all deal with that. We all experience that. And so there is going through life and, and not getting those questions answered that begins to make life fall apart. There's also being kind of at the beginning of life and understanding how profound these, these questions are going to affect our whole life. My... Uh, my second daughter, my second child, Amy, is getting ready to go to, to tech in about eight or nine days for her first year of uh, college. And so I sat down with her yesterday, this weekend, and I had a similar conversation with her that I, I had with my other daughter when she went to tech a couple of years ago. And I said, you know, Amy, when, when you get to school, and especially when you're around freshmen, I said, when you get to school, you need to understand everybody there is scared. Everybody there is a little nervous. You know why? Because everything they've known about themselves is now gone. It's all changed. They're in a new environment, no relationships, nobody knows how good or bad they are. And so their identity is a little bit rocked in this moment. And when our identity is a little bit rocked, we want to connect. And we want to connect quickly because we're under stress. I mean, this is what's going on in all of our lives. And I said, you've got to be really careful about who you connect with. Because when we're like that, I mean, we'll connect with the first person that smiles. We'll connect with the first person that looks like us. And, and I said, Amy, your first week, your first month before September is over, you will have made connections that will completely define the next four years of your life. And these four years have a big impact on shaping the rest of your life. So you got to be cautious. you got to be careful. We talked about what kind of places we want to be in so we increase the odds we're making the, the best connections out there. Got to go slow. Got to be careful. Here's the problem. When you're stressed out, being slow is not on the agenda. When you're stressed out, being careful is not on the agenda. You know what gives us the ability to be, to be cautious, to be careful, to look at what's happening? It's having the confidence and the security of what we learn in these verses that we just read. I could sum up these, these verses in one sentence. It says this. Hey man, you got to think accurately about yourself. you got to think accurately about yourself because you belong to somebody. We belong to each other. And our purpose in life is to play our individual role at fulfilling the whole. That's who we are. When all those questions are answered, folks, God has all these questions answered for us in a way that we can't lose us. When all those questions are answered, I have greater strength, I have greater confidence, I have greater ability to then move into the, the issues that I'm going to have to deal with in life. In verse 3, you look down at that verse, you'll notice right away, you see the word think used three times. Think, think, think. 
It's actually used four times because the word sound judgment or sober judgment is another word for think. So this verse is all about how we think. And I love that phrase, sober. Think soberly. You know, when when somebody's not sober, we, we say they're under the influence you know, whether it be alcohol or drugs or, or something else, if they're not sober, they're under the influence. Something else is controlling the way they think. Something else is controlling the way they act. And so Paul's saying here, listen, when you think about yourself, as you process who you are, don't be under the influence of some outside source. Folks, do you realize what a huge statement that is? I mean, can I use the word all? All of us? Most of our thoughts are under the influence of an outside source. You are defining yourself. Your identity is based on something that a parent said or did, that a, that a coach said, that a teacher said. That it's based on some experience you've had. It might be success. It might be failure. A lot of us, sometimes years later, are being completely defined by a rejection that we went through. We're not sober. Very few of us are obeying this passage. We are absolutely under the influence of outside forces, outside people, outside circumstances defining who we are. God says, Paul says, man, don't do that. No, stop. You've got to think accurately about yourself. What's that? How do I do that? It says, according to the measure of faith. It's a tricky phrase, kind of a cumbersome group of words that that Paul put together there. It simply means this. Think about yourself according to the faith. Not not have faith in something you're thinking about yourself. It's not a verb. It's a noun. Think of yourself according to the faith. What's the faith? The faith is your relationship with Jesus Christ, right? That's our faith. So Paul is saying, think about yourself according to your identity in Jesus Christ. Now folks, this is taught all the way through the New Testament, but think about what we've heard, what we've learned just in the letter to the Romans. I mean, you and I have been given an identity, an incredible, awesome identity just in the letter to the Romans. Think about what we've learned. I am a deeply loved child of God, Romans 8:16. And I have no fear of of being rejected from that position, from that status, from that identity. Romans 8.1. I have no fear of what God is going to find out about me. God already knows everything about me. God already knows my bad, my wrongs, my mistakes, every sin, and paid for it. Romans uh, uh, 5.8. And... There is no outside force that's going to take this from me. This this identity is eternally secure in Christ. Romans 8, 38 to 39. Folks, that's our identity. I'm a deeply loved child of the King of all kings and the God of all gods. And there is nothing that is going to change that status. Nothing good, nothing bad. Not my age, not my marital status, not my vocational status. Nothing going on in this world is going to change who I am. That goes with me. That's what God has given us. Man, I'm out of the fight. 
I'm not out there with the athlete and the plumber and the, and the engineer and the salesman and the student and the athlete clawing and scraping, trying to find my identity, trying to make sure you don't learn everything about me because if you knew what I was afraid of, if you knew what I was really like, you, would, you wouldn't like. Man, I'm out of all that fight. God has secured my identity. Now, in that identity, in belonging to God, God gives us our belonging. We belong to each other. You belong to me. I belong to you. You all belong to each other. What's that word belong mean? Well, the same thing when we say, you know what, my eye, my finger, my lungs, my liver, my feet, they belong to this body. As a matter of fact, there's such a belongingness, we really have no concept of them being apart, do we? I mean, if my foot was somewhere else, you wouldn't think of that as my body, would you? I'd have a real problem at that point. You, you see the connectedness, the belong. We've got an identity as a child of God. Our belongingness is other children of God, this family, this body of Christ. We belong to each other. This is how we are to understand our purpose in this world. And you can understand now why it says there not to think too highly of ourselves. Now let's unwrap that a little bit. Folks, the command to not think too highly of myself is not a command to think lowly of myself. This verse actually is not about humility. As a matter of fact, let let me show you something. I probably never thought about this. You've got two people. We all got at least these two people in our lives. You got somebody in your life that is just like super confident, maybe arrogant. Their confidence is so great, it's annoying. Do y'all know who I'm talking about? Y'all have that person in your mind? Nobody has that person in your life? Well, yeah, I do. Yeah, you're sitting in here right now. No, I'm just kidding. you know, we got this, but man, they're just arrogant and braggadocious. They, they got all the confidence in the world. Okay, you got somebody else in your life that is just timid and shy. Matter of fact, they're so shy, it makes you uncomfortable. I mean, they're, they're just scared of life, no confidence in self. You got these two people in your mind? Do you know these people are exactly the same? Exactly. No, they're not. They're polar opposites. They're exactly the same. Both of these people are an example of being completely absorbed with self. Yeah, they they live it out in a little bit different way, but both are completely absorbed with self. You and I don't have to be absorbed with self. So why do we? (laughs) That's another message. We don't have to be absorbed with self. God's taking care of that for me. Remember what I just said? I'm not out there clawing and fighting, trying to find my identity. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. We don't have to be focused on self. I can be focused on others. I can be focused on the body. So when God says, don't think too highly of yourself, he's saying that in my relationship to the body. You know, if I think too highly of myself, I'm going to think I don't need you. About half the body of Christ suffers from that problem. I'm, I'm what? I, I'm happy paying my bills. I, you know, I got what I want in life. I, don't, I mean, I know I'm supposed to go to church and everything. But I don't need y'all. I mean, folks, about half of us in this room don't think we need, desperately need for life. We don't think we need the church. And, and then we got another half of the church. That, well, no, there's got to be a good, there's got to be a good group somewhere in the middle. But, but then we got another group of the church. We think too lowly of ourselves. Oh, there, there, there's, there's nothing I could do. 
There's nothing I could do to help this church. There's nothing I could do to help this group of people. They they don't need anything. They don't need me. I'm not anything special. I don't have anything to, to contribute. And see, what happens is the body loses. But guess what else loses? You. As a matter of fact, you lose more than we do. When you think about Paul using this illustration... You know, we belong to each other like a part of the body. Okay, you're like a finger. If I cut my finger off and and I set it over there somewhere, guess what? My finger's not going to be very healthy, is it? My, My finger is not going to be healthy. It is not going to be enjoying life. The body is less. I'm less without my finger. I can't do all that I would normally have done or would like to have do, do without my finger. But my body will go on. The finger's not going to go on. The finger now is very unhealthy, disconnected from its belonging, disconnected from its purpose. So here's a wild idea I'm, I'm sure we don't think about. Have you ever thought that the problems in your life, marital problems, financial problems, fears, struggles, problem at work is totally connected to you not being connected to the church. The problems in my life are because I'm not vitally connected to the body of Christ. You think, oh my gosh, is he saying every problem in my life is because I don't go to church enough? That's right. You were here last year 46 times. If you'd have been here 48, your life would have been great. I'm not, I'm not talking about church attendance, folks. I'm talking about being vitally connected to the body of Christ. Paul uses this illustration of the body over and over. It's not just here, several times in the New Testament. And when pieces of the body are disconnected, they're not healthy and they're not strong. Paul wants you and I to read the illustration and understand that. If you're not vitally connected, you're not healthy and you're strong. You say, yes, I am healthy and strong. Then you don't have a clue of how healthy and strong you could be. Well, I'm getting by. Really? Is that the big goal in life, to get by? Well, I'm getting by satisfied. Okay. Well, then deal with this. You're living in disobedience to the Lord. He didn't suggest that a great way to live life was to be connected to the body. He didn't say, hey, if you want to be even stronger and even more confident, man, get connected to the church. He said, you are a child of God. You are a part of the body of Christ. You are to fulfill your role in the body. And that's what we have to be, folks. Or we're not going to be We're not going to enjoy all that we could enjoy. And we're not going to be what God's called us to be. And that's why, and I've I've been beating this drum here the last couple of weeks. It seems like more unusual. But folks, this is where it's all about life groups. Life group, life group, life group. It's about getting connected to the center. Getting more connected in relationships. This room will not accomplish Romans 12, 3 through 8. There is almost no aspect of Romans 12, 3 through 8, that you're going to fill out in this room if this room is your experience with the Christian life. Now, I'm not beating up this room. I'm not making this room small and insignificant. Folks, man, the Old and New Testament is filled with the story of God's people meeting in mass, God's people meeting as a nation, meeting in large numbers to worship, to celebrate, to be under the sound of preaching and teaching. This room has a profound impact on your strength, your walk, your experience with Christ. But because I say this room has a profound impact is not to mean this is the only impact that your life needs. You cannot fulfill this passage unless you're moving closer in relationships. 
So you've got to get in a place where you're serving and being served, where you're ministering and where you're being ministered to. You've got to be in a place where you're fulfilling the roles that God has given you to play in the body. And your purpose comes to life. An identity, a belonging, and a purpose that never changes. You never lose. No insecurities come with this. Look at what uh, I've mentioned Chip Ingram several times. Look at, this is from his book, Living on the Edge. He said, God wants you to fully grasp who you are and where you belong. You belong to his family. You are needed. You have strengths by which to meet the needs of others. And you have needs he has prepared others to meet for you. Folks, you know how to get the very, very most out of Colonial Heights Baptist Church? You know how to get the very most out of any church that you go to? You give 110% of yourself. You give all of yourself. You give the most, you get the most. It just works. When I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about money. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about your passions and your pursuits, your interests. I'm talking about investing your life. You know, there's studies done. And this, these studies show it doesn't matter how old you are. You can be young, you can be old. You can be Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian or Catholic. You can be from the West Coast or the East Coast. This is an absolutely proven over and over and over. The people who complain the most about what the church wasn't for them are the people who are the least involved. Now that sounds like a scolding statement, doesn't it? You know, you're complaining because you didn't get involved. It's your own fault. That's not what the point of the statement is. This isn't about scolding. This isn't about being mean. This isn't about meaning the complaint was wrong. They might have been very right in what they were complaining about. Folks, think of the finger that's been cut off and severed. Guess what? That finger is going to get very little of the life and the strength this body has to offer it. If you're not connected... If you're lightly connected, loosely connected, barely connected, guess what? You're not going to experience what God has for you in the church. Which is why when you come to church and hear the pastor up there talking about all the church can be for you and do for you. I've been in church. It didn't be anything, do anything for me. No, no more than when my fingers more than an inch from... Well, it doesn't even take an inch, does it? <laughs> if my fingers a millimeter separated, there's a problem. The finger's not going to experience what it could. And the opposite is always true too. That the people who are experiencing the most, getting the most, enjoying the most out of the church, man, they're in with everything. They're in with their time, their resources, their passions, their prayers. They're fully invested. You know, it works basically just like marriage. I, you know, I've said so many times, the, 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 I'll tell you exactly when a marriage begins to go south. It's when one member, one mate steps back and says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to evaluate whether you're doing your part or not. I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to evaluate whether you're meeting my needs, whether you're doing what you're supposed to do, whether you're being for me what you're supposed to be. The moment you step back into that role, because God didn't design it to work that way. It won't work. That You might be very legitimate, might be very right in saying, I'm just going to watch. They're not doing what... Maybe so, but God designed marriage only to work when I'm committed 110% to be what I'm supposed to be and do what I'm supposed to do, regardless, regardless of the mate. Church is the same way. So folks, you, wanna, you want a life that is removed of stress, insecurities, 
You want a life that has strength and confidence. You know who you are. You know where you belong. You know what your purpose is at all ages of life, at all stages of life. No matter where you move, no matter what's happening in a job or in your marriage. You want all that? Hey, here's a simple thing. Just take God at His word. Join His church. And give your life fully into that church. Yes, worshiping and celebrating with a large group of people. But then moving deeper into relationship with those people. Where ministry is mutual. Where ministry and service is going both ways. You know, we have a, a tremendous thing here in our church. It's kind of brand new. We've been doing it about, I think, six months or so. If you look inside your bulletin right under the, the, the sermon area, the name of the sermon and everything, there's a, an ad for place ministry. We've got a workshop coming up in September. Sometimes we do a workshop. Sometimes it's in our discipleship classes on Wednesday night. Place is a ministry, uh, a study that you do where you learn your personality. You, you put together your background, your passions, your experiences. You discover your natural gifts and abilities. You discover your spiritual gifts. We put all this in the mixer, get it all put together, and, and out comes you, the unique you, and where you should be placed in the church, your perfect place. Because you see, you can be very committed, very excited, come in here, and you're a finger, but somebody shoved you into the toe spot. Now, you're connected and that's good, but you're probably not going to have as much fun as you could. You know, a finger trying to be a toe. Some of you are an ear and you're trying to be a nose. That looks just weird. Doesn't work with the ear right here in the front of the face. You know, and that's what happens. You know, one of the reasons that happens is unfortunately the church often treats ministry by the clipboard. You know, we send the clipboard around. Now, come on, y'all. Somebody's got to sign up and do this. And the person who feels the most guilty signs up. You know, we don't want to guilt you to doing anything. If you're doing anything in this church because of guilt, please stop today, right now. You can tell them, I'll sign something for you. Pastor said, I didn't have to do this anymore. God has not called you into something because you just feel bad about yourself and you just don't do enough for Him. It has nothing to do with this. Man, God's designed you. And He's got a perfect spot, just the right place for you in the body of Christ so that you're living out the fullness, the strength, and the excitement of your identity. And, and, and a sense of belongingness. A sense of purpose that lasts eternally. Are you going to believe God? I mean, he said it. He said it very clearly. Are you going to believe God? Or say, you know what, I'm, I, I got this. I'll just, I'll just shoot in and out of church. I'll hang out here on the fringes. I, I got my identity. I got my belongingness. I, I, got, I got my purpose in life. I got it all under control. Boy, I'd encourage you. Go ahead and take God at his word. Um, he's got a really good batting average at being right. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there are people in this room right now, the biggest issue in their life is not how connected they are to the church. They're not connected to you. We're not a child of God until we've come to that place where we've placed our faith in Jesus Christ. So I can't do anything about being connected to the body if I'm not connected to Christ. Lord, if there's somebody in this room right now that is not connected to you, they're not a, a believer, they've never come to that place of putting their faith in you. I pray right now you'd just tap them on the shoulder. God, you'd whisper in their ear, it's you. It's you. You're not connected to my son. Lord, let them realize that you're not tapping them on the shoulder. You're not whispering in their ear out of anger, out of hate. 
You're not disgusted with them, saying you're a loser. You're tapping them out of love. I want you to be my child. I want you to be connected to the body. I want you to know the forgiveness of all your sins and eternal life. Lord, if there's anybody in here that does not have that, would you tell them right now? And Lord, in just a moment, when we have this time of singing, I pray they'll come forward. I pray they'll tell one of these pastors that I want to know Jesus Christ. I want to get connected to Him. Lord, I would imagine there are many in the room that are they're connected to You. They've made that decision in life. They've placed their faith in You. But they're not connected to the body. Maybe it's just right now. Maybe they've been a member of a church. They've been connected, but they're without a church at present. God, if this is the body, if this is the part of the body that you want them to connect with, would you tell them right now, you need to connect, you need to join. You need to find the security that I have for you. And Lord, would you bring them forward and may they tell one of these pastors, man, I want to be a member here. I want to be in obedience to God. And Lord, there's a lot of people in this room, probably most of the people, they've made a decision for Christ. They're connected to Jesus. They've made a decision about a church. They're connected to Colonial Heights Baptist. But God, they're hanging out on the fringe. Maybe they're very consistent on the fringe. They're here all the time, but but they're never moving closer in relationship. They're not moving into playing that role that you've called for them in the body. God, would you tell them right now out of love, that's you. You need to move more to the center. Maybe they want to use this time to go out to that information desk and sign up for place right now. Maybe they just want to come down here to the altar. Say, God, I don't want to be disconnected from your body. I want to, I want to be a part of what you've called me to do, be and to do. God, there's a work to be done in this moment. I pray that you would move, that you would speak, and that we would respond. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.